have a passion, hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world, why not do a podcast? The PodStation offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality, ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show. With prices starting at a mere £15 per month, you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches. To find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. You're listening to The Business Spotlight, exclusively on The Podstation. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Business Spotlight. My name is Matt Pollard. I'm one of the co-founders of the Pod Station. Uh, just to briefly give you an idea of what it is we're doing, if if you're listening to this for the first time, certainly uh, we get in an expert within a a field each episode, and they. Uh, give us a wealth of their knowledge and expertise that hopefully you might find useful in your day-to-day life whether it be personal or business related and it's that simple really and um, if you feel you are an expert who would like to divulge your expertise in the same way as our guests have so far then if you get in touch with the business spotlight at the podstation.co.uk or contact us on any of our social media platforms so we're all in the usual places facebook instagram twitter linkedin and youtube then if you just direct messages there we'll we'll happily send you out an application form and hopefully get you on the show um also if you want to check out some of the previous episodes that we've done if you go to the podstation.co.uk you'll find the the business spotlight tab right there um by the same token uh, if you're feeling particularly uh, lethargic there are also the links to all of the major podcast platforms, so we make it even easier there. Uh, although, presumably, if you listen to this, you have found a podcast platform and you are indeed listening to it on your preferred one. In which case, subscribe, and then every time the latest episode drops, it should automatically download onto your device of choice. Uh, you can also listen to it on YouTube now, although I haven't quite got my head around whether or not I want to expose the planet to my face. Uh, for the time being, I'm against that, but that may change after I've had a haircut and possibly trimmed the old beard at some juncture. Uh, so, moving on to our guest this week. Now, it's a fellow beard uh, person which is always nice i feel like he's part of the brethren uh so i'm hopefully not going to butcher his name because i absolutely love it uh, it's dino tartaglia from success engineers how are we doing dino i'm awesome thank you and he, as my father used to say any better i couldn't stand it thank <laughs> you very much. i should have actually started in italian really buongiorno yeah. como sta <laughs> yeah, non chumali as we would say yeah, ah. doing all right yeah. perfecto yeah. <laughs> That's that's the full extent of my Italian. Um, so Dino, I mean, obviously the accent and the name don't necessarily go in hand in hand. So explain yeah. that. Oh, okay, right. So this is going to get even more confusing. Uh, I am a Scottish Italian Geordie. So, so, <laughs> so I was born in Glasgow, which is where the burr comes from. But uh, I left when I was eight, I think, um, and came down to uh, came down to England. So although I've got places in, uh, God, I'm going to sound like you know, uh, some, some magnate, uh, wealth magnate or whatever, but um, I, I am, I've got a couple of places in various parts of the world, but um, home is new, essentially is Newcastle in the northeast of England, which is where I am right now. Right. Uh, so I, we moved uh, to the northeast when I was quite young, bounced around the UK a bit, um, then settled back in the northeast. And essentially, this is where I, I grew up. Um, so family are variously second and third generation italian uh actually interestingly i'm going through my italian citizenship application right now should have done it years ago but the the, the law changed so i'm able to do it now um mainly because of the brexit and loss of freedom of movement etc but also because my kids interestingly my youngest daughter has just qualified uh in international tourism and of course, she has no, no longer has freedom of movement in 27 countries. So if I get the citizenship, she can get the citizenship, kind of like that. So, um, yeah, so I'll be back up to Scotland, actually, which is where I'm going to apply. 
um, and kind of reclaim my heritage, if you will. But um, yeah, this is where I live. I'm in Newcastle in the northeast. is a lovely part of the world. Um, and uh, originally from Glasgow, Italian parentage, uh, grandparentage, if you will. So I'm a bit of a potpourri of, a, of an individual in that regard. Well, it's a fantastic heritage, absolutely. Do you want to explain briefly about your, your background in business and how you've sort of wound up to where you are now? Um, because yeah. that, that will probably give people an idea of where we're headed in the conversation. Okay. Well, just to start at the end, uh, I just got my bus pass the other month. So <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. So actually, senior rail card is the thing I have on my phone. And um, first of all, I have I look at that every so often and go, how the ever living unmentionable did I get, manage to survive this this long to get one of these things? But it does. It, it is true. I think for most of us, you're only as long, you're only as old as is how you feel. And uh, I'm sure as hell don't feel like I'm the wrong side of sixty. Um, but th that's to really frame up the kind of the, 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 the not so much the, the experience, because I think you can get to my age in life and have made no progress and be just asleep at the wheel. God knows I've got my, many of my peers who are exactly like that. They've just lived, the, you know, they, they've done that, you know, that old thing of don't live the same the same life for 70, 75, you know, the same year for 75 uh, years in a row and call it a life, you know, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I've hopefully not done that for the past 60 years. Um, and it all started for me when I qualified in electrical and electronic engineering many, many, many years ago um, and got into um, systems and controls, essentially, um, process controls um, and found my uh, niche in oil and gas. So um, I started traveling the world, which was the beginning of a, a love, love affair with travel. Um, so I was on the tools for a while, went chartered, as you do, and of course that automatically means you get pulled from the tools and from the field, which was a shame really, because I really enjoyed the practical nature of that, and started the man manage. Um, found that I, had a, uh, I found that the, the problems that I saw in systems, if you like, failing, <clears throat> excuse me, were, were always human. Um, and, and that kind of, that understanding came to me quite early. So if there was a problem with a, a bit of kit that wasn't working, Generally speaking, if things fail, but other other than components failing, it was a design issue, which then went, went back to the individual. If it was a process or a systems problem, it was generally an implementation or a design issue, and the human element was quite often where it went wrong, in design or in, or in, in execution. So I, I kind of started moving into business development, systems improvement, eventually became a Six Sigma black belt, if you or any of the listeners understand what that is, which latterly became lean Six Sigma black belt. Um, and really got taken up with the idea of uh, um, business transformation through business improvement, um, and that was that was it. I, I kind of became a troubleshooter and just started traveling um, and sorting out problems, um, which was my life for a long time. So at the last count, I've lived and worked, visited over 100 countries, but I've lived and worked in 23 countries on five continents across 30 odd years, and I've helped over a thousand companies from. If we take GE and some of the larger, the big, big beasts out of it, 6.4 billion euros, right down to kitchen table entrepreneurs scraping away, trying to make 30 grand a year from the kitchen table. Um, wow. Because the principles are exactly the same. Execution is different, obviously, um, but principles are the same. So, um, And I've taken that kind of practical approach, if you like, into that. So yeah, so that's 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 a potted history, if you like. Do you, th do you think the, the the process element or your 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 particular pawn shown for the process is more of a, a personality trait? Do you do you naturally yeah. get drawn to that? Is is that something that some people might have to work a bit harder on than others because it might not come as naturally? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, categorically would be my, my answer to that. I think one of, the, one of the big mistakes that we have, huge mistakes that we make in business is that we think that there's some kind of you know, model or blueprint we have to fit into. And the reality is that um, we should um, build our business around our unique disposition. And acknowledging that and understanding that, you know, and there's, there's a whole industry set up around Myers-Briggs and DISC and, you know, and, and insights and all that sort of stuff to kind of help with this. But the reality is... There's, there's, more, there's kind of more to it. Uh, and understanding that, understanding what moves us and what drives us, what vibes with us, uh, I think is, is absolutely critical to building a business that we love um, and that we can run for this, you know, sustainably, if you like, in, into whatever future we want. So, yeah, the, the, the short answer to that is categorically. I fell into this because of the way that I think. Um, and I watch, routinely watch other people struggle with this. They don't see what is blindingly obvious to me. And of course, everybody listening will have exactly that experience in their own area of expertise. 
um, they will they will see things and, and feel things in a way that other people don't, and it will be obvious to them, but not to the people who potentially are their clients. Are you quite surprised by having wound up where you are? Would would the 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 would the you of thirty plus years ago have ever anticipated you headed in ending up in at this destination, or or yeah. is it something that perhaps because I, I mean I suppose another way of looking at it is would 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 you have even known something like this existed as an occupation or a profession at the time? But let's assume perhaps you were. Would, would that have been a a path you would have gone down or or was was the electrical engineering thing always something that perhaps appealed it's another great question um i, th- I think again like ed- like anything in life you, you you evolve and change over time um and the 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 man in front of you now is not you know i'm certainly not the guy that i was 30 years ago categorically not um yeah the essence never changes but in terms of my thinking and how i roll and you know some of the reflections that have changed my behaviors uh, and that sort of stuff, then I'm a very, very different animal. So the the, the answer to that would be a resounding no. I, I had no idea. I, I, had a, I had a sense of what I kind of wanted, but I fought it for a long time. And I was always always felt like I was swimming upstream. Yeah, I built some big businesses, shut down some big businesses. But the truth is, um, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, what I did find, um, and it took a long time to get to this, was the thread of it always was just helping people. Which I, which I, you know, I hear from most entrepreneurs in the service business. You know, that's why we do what we do. We're, we're driven to, uh, we're driven to do that. That's where we get our kicks. Uh, seeing the light come on in somebody's eyes when they go, oh, "Help, I get it now." You know, that sort of stuff. Or seeing a change in somebody or a result that they've been they've been struggling to get. Somebody smashing through a glass ceiling. That that's where we get our kicks. So that was always there. It was there with the staff, you know, and the business, so the businesses that I built, so on and so forth, personally at a personal level. But I was a lot more driven. Um, and a lot more self-focused when I was younger. Um, and I kind of, you know, that was an aspect that it served me in some aspect, in some respects, but I think as a human being, it didn't serve me. So I kind of left that all behind and I've mellowed a lot. <laughs> it always fascinates me trying to talk about these sorts of things with the likes of yourself. Um, I mean, I'm, what, Christ, over 20 years since I left school. And so school will have changed an awful lot, even in the time I've not been there. Um and now looking back, when I left school, I had no idea what my strengths were, what my personality traits were, what might have been a great occupation to head off into at the time. And I do hope that perhaps the younger generation are better equipped to understand those things. So I don't think it's particularly hard to let people delve into that. But um, you're a great example of someone who perhaps might have taken a different path if you'd have had the infrastructure there to to do it. I'm, it always fascinates me. Perhaps I'm thinking out loud because uh, I never realised the the natural propensities I perhaps have as a a personality. You don't realise them when you you're young because you're just out and about just doing stuff. Uh, you don't really take that time to stop and think, do you? Really? Well, yeah, and you've just hit on something that's that's, that's really critical. I think certainly for for entrepreneurs business owners is we don't in the rush to do we don't we don't reflect we don't think and that's a that's a that's a big miss so the older i've got the more of that that i've done that you know the, the the more satisfied i am if you like with where i am kind of what i'm doing where i'm, where I'm headed um and even though technically i should have kind of retired now um i'm, I'm probably never going to switch off because I, I, I like what i do and i and i like it. i like this environment that we're building at success engineers so um yeah it, it is one of those things and yeah gary gary v i'm not a huge fan of his style shall we say gary Vaynerchuk. but the man every so often pops something out and you go you know what mate that's absolutely spot on and he talks about the 20s as being the time when you should just go and make all the screw-ups i'll not use the language that he used although <laughs> i do as a you know, child of the workshop but yeah he's quite right and um, that is the time to go and just you know spend five or ten years just getting it you know, incredibly wrong and a bit right and then figure that out. So by the time you hit 30, 30, 32, you know, 33, you, 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 you understand the path you should be on and you're already on it, which most of us, me, you know, me in particular, put my hands up, just don't do. And we get to a later stage, you know, with, with guys often that's middle age and you go, what am I doing with my life? Is this what I want? Should be asking that a lot earlier. Absolutely. But we don't have the, I know wisdom's the right the, the right term, but we don't have the capacity for reflection quite often. We just don't take the time for reflection early. No, yeah. no, I, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, so, 
Dino, what's the key to success for growing a business? Uh, and while and while you're at uh, yeah, and while you're at it, what is the meaning of life? Yeah, well, I mean, that was easy. That's forty-two. Um, okay, so uh, observation. Uh, most let, let's say that the average entrepreneur or business owner looks for you know, looks at business as some kind of uh, some kind of um, elongated hackathon. Uh, trying to figure out how to do stuff and the best way to do stuff. And it might be, you know, how to get connections on LinkedIn, how to motivate staff, you know, all that, whatever, yeah. How to, how to, you know, how to bleed more profit out of a, you know, contract. The enlightened entrepreneur, the enlightened business owner, and indeed, in, in, in my view, the enlightened individual, um, seeks out how to think, how to act, and how to be. Because by understanding all of that, they can they can better solve their own problems, and most importantly, solve the problems that they should be solving in their business, the root cause problems that allow them to sequentially make progress and tangible progress in their business in the direction that they want to go in. The average entrepreneur doesn't know the direction quite often they want to go in, um, in terms of it being you know laid out strategically and having a proper clear picture of that in the distance. In in my experience, um, and they uh, and they. They work tactically instead of strategically, so they are reactive in, in kind of how they do. And what happens there is they get mired in busy work, a lot of stuff that doesn't have impact but feels like it might do, and they just you know end up with this uh, this view that business is hard and the way to solve your problems is to just work harder. Yeah, I don't particularly like that kind of work smarter, not harder thing, which you know kicks around from time to time because it sounds a bit glib. Yeah. there's more to it than that is the truth it isn't smart thinking thinking more effectively so that you ask better questions and more effective questions get get to the root the, the root of all issues is the truth but that's a skill reflection thinking time as i call it should be something that's in everybody's diary every single week sit with a big question that you you have no you know the, the answer to that is i've got a bloody clue what the answer to that is you should be stumped by a big question every week and you should sit with it they might last for months but you go through it until you get a range of answers and a range of possible solutions that you can then put in place. So there's, there's lots to it, um, but I, you know, all of it comes down to simplification and clarity. In my view, Mark, clarity is a superpower. You start with um, what do I want and, and, and how do I you know, start moving towards that? Um, and that will include things like, well, what kind of, you know, what kind of business do I want? Well, what big problem do I solve? Am I passionate about solving that problem or meeting that need? Uh, or helping people overcome that challenge. Yeah, I am. Okay. Do you know? Do I have the skills? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, how do I turn that? You know, how do I turn the commercial screw on that? But more importantly, why? Why do I want to do that? What's in it for me? Um, where do I want to go with this? Well, I want this kind of life. This is what matters most to me. This is what success looks like for me. You know, but more quality time, more more freedom, more choice, whatever, uh, more recognition. Okay. How do I build a commercial vehicle, if you like, that's going to that's going to take me towards that and, and and be fulfilling? You know, have a fulfilling journey. These questions generally aren't asked by the average entrepreneur uh, or business owner or person leaping out of corporate. What they do is say, "Well, I want to set up and work for myself and have a bit of self determination. Um, I've got some skills. I'll go monetize them." Essentially, that's the thought process. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, nothing wrong with it in principle to get started, but in terms of something that's going to carry you for the rest of your life wrong it's not helpful and what sort of questions should they be asking themselves um pretty much the what matters most you know it, it's a big ticket item for us as success engineers um but maybe useful to explain the other half of success engineers and why we think the way that we do to, to give us some context if that helps um so simon hartley who's the other half is a, a dear friend uh, old friend um we've known each other i was sponsoring a player at newcastle falcons rugby club that's my that's my my game um and uh, a long time ago and we, we bumped into each other and at the time at the club he was uh he was a fresh-faced um sports psych um, um and had been drawn into the team uh just to kind of kind of help out at the, just at the turn of uh, professionalism just as we were moving from uh, the amateur game and we just hit it off there's a there's a fair age gap we just we just hit it off and, and got on really well 
Um, and we, we became good friends. And then I, I went off and did what I did around the world. And he, you know, he, he was doing what he was doing. And I, I met, bumped into him about five years ago. We hadn't seen each other or spoken to each other in all that time. And by then he'd become a, an in-demand keynote speaker. He was a published author, I think six books at the time. Um, and he'd become a, a world-class coach and a world-class authority on essentially world-class mentality, world-class insight um, into, into what it takes to be that. He worked on Olympic programs and so on and so forth. So I read a couple of his books and I just said, mate, we've got to get more of this out into the world. So Success Engineers was formed on the back of what is essentially Olympic thinking but not for people who want to become Olympians in business, if you will, because Simon's Be World Class brand, which is what he runs, um, that already takes care of that. We thought, well, how, how can we take this down to you know, into the market where people don't know about this stuff and need it? Well, that's the small business owner, the micro business owner, the kitchen table entrepreneur, as I call them, building a business from home. I knew the online market very, very well at that point, which is quite different from the brick and mortar space, as you'll know. Um, and I thought there's a few, we can fuse a lot of stuff here because there's good stuff in, in both camps. So Success Engineers was formed to, to take this, 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 this idea of um, you know, world-class insights, but also clarity and simplicity, which is really how the best in the world get to where they, 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 they want to be. It isn't talent. It really is rarely talent. Um, and get that clarity um, into the small business arena. So that's what we set up to do. And it's um, you know, our, our kind of tagline, if you will, um, in a, in a sentence is that we help um, that we help um, small business owners build a thriving business around being brilliant at what they do, so they can get closer to what matters most. And that pretty much encapsulates what we what we set up to do, um, and that all comes about by building a, a better business, by being better, by growing better, by building better. So better is very much at the centre of what we do. Okay, um, so are, you, are we saying bigger or better? Yeah, right. Okay. So, and this is this is where it gets interesting from, a, and you'll really appreciate this from a marketing point of view. My expression to a lot of people is build better, not bigger, because the alliteration works. But the truth is, it's build better before bigger, if that's what you want. But of course, from a marketing point of view, as you well know, that they'll just die on its bum. It doesn't work. But that's really what it is, which is, if you're going to get bigger, don't scale the problems. So get better, then scale. Yeah, grow, then scale. Well, actually... In the online world, we use scale a lot, and it's just misused. Grow, then scale, different things. So if you want to grow bigger, get better, then grow bigger. Don't you know, build bigger because you build all the problems, which is what I see. Yeah? People go, there are seven stages of business growth in our, in, our, you know, in our model, in our heads. And it starts with dream it, which is what we all do, and then start it. Which is generally the bit that you know there's a huge you know that kind of binary switch from zero to one's a massive issue for people spend a long time thinking about something and not doing it but then for those who have the, the gumption and start awesome and then they leap past the next stage and go straight to build it and grow it which is essentially what most people find themselves in and the bit they miss is control it and stabilize it there are no controls put in place we don't find out what's working what's not working and then eliminate the stuff or mitigate the stuff if you like it's going to be problematic so the fires start breaking out all over the business and we build a business and start to identify as firefighters because that's that's a good thing isn't it you, firefighters are heroes being a fire prevention officer makes a lot more sense don't have the fires bloody well you know kick off <laughs> in the first place yeah so so you control so you start looking at that and the, the, the reason that people don't do it generally is because they don't have the awareness and i don't mean that in a disparaging way they just don't you don't know what you don't know and they don't they don't bring somebody in or use somebody or get into a community of people that can say actually you want to miss this or you want to watch out for that yeah here are some things you want to think about because again we do and we don't think again not being disparaging just a, just an observation of how people are so um so so it's it's going through that the, the rest of the stages of growth are and um, once you're, you're building and growing the next stage, again, most people leap to scale, which is really where you start putting a small amount of investment in getting a, a, you know, a lot of return out. Grow is kind of a, a one for one sort of stage. Yeah, you, you build that to capacity or near capacity, then you start to scale. The bit they miss is the second control phase, which is refined. Because now you know what's working, you want to know what you're going to scale. And then the final stage is the world, what I call the world class stage, or what we call the world class stage, which is you've got to, you either decide to exit or you maintain and just live. And that's the other thing. People start businesses without an exit plan. If I pin, if I pin um, most people listening to, to the podcast down and said to them, um, the two questions I ask everybody when they come on the coaching program that I have, 
um, I get I get a blank look or I get I get waffle. And it is, what's your exit plan? Gurney. <laughs> well, pe- people, but this is the thing though, Mark, isn't it? People, yeah. people think when you say exit plan, you mean actually sell the business. And that's not what it means at all. It just means what's your picture of the business when it's kind of finally done? What does it look like? What do you want? Um, and the second one is what makes you happy, which, um, which the average person, I think, doesn't sit down and think about enough, is the truth. And they're two great questions to ask yourself before you even think about starting a business. And again, who does that? But you should, yeah. To, to to you know, to your question and to your point. Absolutely, I, I know a lot of people who um, the the question of what matters to them most. I know some people who hold a huge value to working nine to five as an employee. They like that. They know when they start. They know when the lunch is. They know when they go home, and they know when they go home. They don't have to deal with any problems. They don't have to answer any emails or telephone calls. That time is theirs and theirs alone. Um, By the same token, you've obviously got the self-employed people who like to have that control. They like to know that they will always have a job the next day as long as they want to have a job the next day and not, for example, like that employee I've just mentioned who could be made redundant at any point, could be sacked at any point, um, might hate the ju- hate the people they work for for whatever reason, but it's the, there's that slight difference. Some people want to make a million million pounds, and, and ret- although you need more than a million, I think, now to retire, wouldn't you? <laughs> Certainly with inflation. Um, so it, it is, I presume what matters most is a relatively key ingredient to all of this. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And actually, just just to your point there, Virginia Satter, who I think everybody should be thankful to for, for the work that she did at the turn of last century, um, one of her great, the many, many great sayings that the lady came up with, but one of them was that most people prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I call the comfort zone that we all refer to in, in the personal development circles as actually the zone of familiarity. To your point about the nine to five, People are they're not they're anything but comfortable in that situation. Yeah, not everybody, obviously. Some people are very fulfilled. But for those people who need to break out, um, but they just don't like the uncertainty that sits outside of their zone of familiarity, they'll stay there massively, massively uncomfortable or maybe miserable, really unhappy, rather than stepping into the unknown because the fear of that, much you know, as, as much as anything else, um, is a problem because they are massively risk averse. Or there's other stuff that go, that's going on. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a huge issue. Um, but the truth is, we we grow through challenge. That's how we grow. So if you don't if you don't step into it, then you you will not grow, and you and nothing will change. Yeah, I've I've certainly found that I learn more from those what you would call the shitty jobs, <laughs> the jobs that go on the yeah. on everyone else's. I'll get round to it pile. Um, yeah. But you learn more from those because the challenges require more thinking it requires more skill developments and actually by the end of it if you were to be given the same task again you're equipped to deal with it but the reality is you'll be generally given tasks substantially more simple than that one to do on a daily basis at which point you find you can actually do those in your sleep because you've been pushed slightly further than what your comfort zone might have previously been yeah, very, very much. And yeah, and it is expanding that. Because the, the reality is if you take the, the concept of zone of familiarity uh, into, because the, the, Simon calls the, the, the area outside of that the discomfort zone, because you, you are naturally, dis, you know, you're in discomfort. And, you know, and he, he observed with world-class people, you know, Olympians, elite adventurers, um, and of course, world-class entrepreneurs. That's what they do. People who are successful, who, who cause themselves to be to be to be successful, do this. They they live in this constant state of flux and uncertainty and challenge, um, because they understand that's they, they get the kicks from that. So they understand that they grow. Do they have you know problems with that? Do they have issues of self worth and imposter syndrome and all the other stuff that we go through? Yeah, of course they do. The difference is in how they handle it, and that's really the, that's really the key. So you're right. You you get something that uh, is maybe something you just don't want to do but needs to be done. Um, and and you cause yourself to do that, whatever the mechanic is that causes you to do that, and you get the other side of it, and you always find that the experience is far, you know, in, in the doing, it's far, you know, it's far better than you, you you expected, or far less worse, shall we say, than you than you expected. Yeah, 
I I always love learning those new skills. I, I don't know. I yeah. I always get a huge satisfaction from learning. And quite often, when I'm forced to do something, I'll yeah. make a point of learning the ins and outs and the nuts and bolts of it because I I enjoy that element of control. That I might not then continue to do that job, but because I have a, a at least a basic grasp of it, I feel comfortable saying, "Would you mind doing it?" But knowing full well that. I have an idea of what's going on and why it's being done and and yeah. you tick that box you're great I've got another another string to my bow and then you're looking for that sort of next challenge I think yeah the, the, I think it's a huge point actually to pick up on Mark and yeah you know, and it's a really wise um, approach that, that whether you've arrived at that intentionally or it's just who you are you know talking talking again about what you're I've never been described as wise if that answers your question well, <laughs> well if this is a first it's a first I, I would take it <laughs> The the um, but it is it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a wise you know insight um, because it's very different unless you've got somebody that you categorically know um, is highly skilled in the art if you will what it is that you want to do and is also reliable because competency I think requires those two components yeah they've got to show up and do and deliver um, then it, it's difficult to know in the hiring process you know on the delegation process whether somebody's up to the task unless you at least understand some or what it is they've got to do, because otherwise it, it, it's a it's a it's a crapshoot. It, it's a you, you're taking a leap of faith. So if you understand some of the basics, then you can ask some key questions that tell you that this person has got at least some basic competency in the skills. Then it's just about who they are in terms of their characteristics for reliability and integrity, and you know, just showing up and that sort of stuff. You know, doing what they said they were going to do, which is a whole different conversation. Um, so yeah, I think I think just having some understanding or some notion of the skills involved in uh, in, in something you're going to potentially delegate has a huge amount of value. People skip that because it's just well, I just want to offload it. And in, in doing so, I and mean, sometimes there's a great you know there's a very very valid reason for doing that, and it's right and proper. But for a lot of people, there's an abrogation of responsibility in doing that. They just offload it. Um, and the truth is, if the business was sitting there as personified as an individual around the boardroom table, it wouldn't let you away with that. It would be asking some pointy questions saying, really? Yeah. And you would you would struggle to to justify doing you know, like avoiding that, I would say. Um, where do you sit on setting goals then if if you've uh, you've answered uh, all of those previous questions, you've you've looked at yourself, you've contemplated what matters yeah. to you and and what you want to try and achieve. Um, where, where, where do we go then? Do we start setting ourselves those goals? Are we losing two stone in January um, because of those <laughs> New Year's resolutions? Um, I've got a little analogy, actually. We'll, we'll pick up on the weight loss thing because I think that's a useful one about the difference between tactics and, and, and strategic thinking. Um, but, yeah, on goal setting, um, simple statement from me. The vast majority of the planet are not goal-achieving um, um, you know, junkies. They, they t goals don't do much for them. So, if you are, you know, and certainly for any of the listeners are picking this up and thinking, oh, you know, um, I'm, I'm, you know, there's something wrong with me because the, you know, I've set that goal and you know, I really want it, but I'm just not fired up by it. Um, my message to you is, this is normal for most people. Five percent of the planet, entirely arbitrary, by the way. I don't know if it's five or ten percent or three percent, but it's a small amount. Five percent of the planet are red personality types, goal-driven take the hill, plant the flag, that's where you know, I'm going anyway, you can come if you want. Yeah, they're like that. The vast majority of us are challenge driven. Um, so we are the supportive leadership. We're the guys looking for the, you know, the, 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 the guy or the girl who wants to plant the flag and we just make sure they get there safely. And we, but we are also leaders, but we, we make sure that the team is put together and you know, we do all that sort of stuff, but we don't want the limelight necessarily. And so the challenge of getting up the logistics, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the mental challenges with, with that that fires us up. So the goal is interesting, but we don't own it as a as as the thing that we need to you know like a like a trophy. We don't we, we don't get fired. It's up. not the driving or, factor. Not at all. Um, or we're inclusive people. You know, we're green personality types. You know, we lean more towards that, and we just want everyone to be happy, and everyone can get up there and plant the flag together. Or analytical. You know, the the blues. The blues. How are we going to get there? Yeah. Give me the two. Yeah, let's lay out the two hundred and fifty-six steps before we do a goddamn thing. Yeah, or the yellow, or the yellows. How are we going to make it beautiful? Get in there. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, in in our model, the yellows are the the yellows are the jump out of the plane and build a you know, and, and build a parachute on the way down. We are the we are the challenge. We are the entrepreneurial types, and variety is is the spice of our lives. Yeah, very much so. Check. So we are shiny object people. So yeah, I'm, I am predominantly I'm, I'm yellow. So so if you take all of that, my 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 short answer is goals are for the most part for most people on the planet. They should be destinational. Sorry, they should be directional, not destinational. So they give you a true north. They set your focus compass, if you will, so you understand where the hell you're going, why it's important. So that's the what matters most thing. And it points you towards where you're going to go and what matters most. So you can get closer to that and get more of that as you progress. But the achievement of that is like, well, if you look at it and you look at it in the cold light of day, anybody who achieves a goal goes, that's awesome. What's next? So... What's the function of the goal really? Well, for those people who need the goals and to, to, to achieve the goals as a trophy, that serves a purpose. But for most of us, it's just a journey that we're on. And these are actually more waypoints and milestones in the journey. The goal is not the end in itself. So it's a directional thing. And that's the function of goal setting for me um, and then and, and goal achieving, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what happens if you're on your direction and then somehow you start veering off and veering off. I'm watching the Loki TV series at the minute. They're talking about the, the sacred timeline, which is this singular line. And then every now and again, there's these things that sort of branch off and disappear and they're like, no, no, that's a bad thing. Is there a problem? What happens if you find yourself on one of these branches and you don't really mean to be on there and you don't want to be on there? And how do you, how do you get, how do you solve that problem? Uh, well, first of all, you, you're not like me or Loki um, and, and go, well, who's to say that that is the sacred timeline? So I've noticed he's done that. And I've gone, mate, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> that would be my question. Who are you to tell me that that's my timeline? Um, but yeah, the, 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 so, so the story of you know, in terms of weight loss, I'll, I'll give you this one and see if this, this, this kind of helps um, the, the listeners. So um, imagine that you are just feeling a bit crap. Um, and your energy's down and you kind of look at, you know, you look in the mirror, look at your belly and go, as, as I do every day and go, bloody hell, I've got to do something about that. Um, and you decide that you, you're carrying too much weight and you're not fit and that's the problem, right? So you've already decided that's the problem even without any you know, research. So you stand on some scales because that's going to validate what you think and you look down and sure enough, you're 20 pounds or a stone and a half overweight. Yeah. Or for the, uh, for the, for the kids listening, what is that? Uh, nine kilos <laughs> so um so you look at it and go right that's it so so a plan is formed in the moment as you stare at the dial aghast and you go yeah that's it um i'm gonna i'm gonna join a gym and i'm gonna buy a diet book and i'm gonna implement it. i'm gonna go on a diet and that's your plan that's your strategy and what you've just done is you've 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 answered uh, you've essentially answered and dealt with and provided a solution to a tactical problem there's nothing strategic about that at all. There's nothing, you know, in, you know, long term, shall we say, or anything that's necessarily properly thought through or researched. So you've reacted, and you've gone right. That's it. And that's what most people do in businesses and in life is what they do. You go right. This is the problem. That's what I'm going to do about it. Rather than what's the real problem, and then sit with twenty answers to that and go right. That sounds like the best the best course of action. Not what we do, which is why I talk about thinking time. So, so we do that. So we go and buy all the things. Um, and, and the truth is, uh, one of the ways to tell if it's a tactical response to a tactical question and a tactical you know, situation is just ask whether or not buying multiples of the solution will solve the problem. So if I buy 20 diet books and I have 50 gym memberships, and, you know, am I going to solve the problem of having no energy and having brain fog all the time? Probably not. Yeah. So the, the better question uh, and the better way to tackle it is, what, why, why do I feel that I'm, you know, I'm low on energy and, and brain fog? What's happening? And then you, you, you start to un, you know, unlock a kind of Pandora's box of questions, which is, well, well, why am I saying this? Well, this is happening and that's happening. Okay, what could possibly be causing that? Yeah. And then you, you get into things like, well, what's my sleep like? You know, would that have an impact? What's my general health and well-being? Is there stuff going on in my life that's probably you know, causing this? Is there, is, there, is there something that's symptomatic of something else that's going on? And you widen the question or a set of questions. And eventually you get to um, a very, very different set of answers, which is kind of key. And if we flip this around and we put this into the kind of questions that people will ask, like, um, uh, how do I, you know, somebody will rock up and say, right, I've, I've got to do some Facebook ads. Where do I, where do I learn how to do Facebook advertising? My first question is why? Why do you want to do that? 
which is not the question. If you want to sell to people, you go, okay, that's awesome. You go here and you buy this. Yeah. Um, you know, press, press the buy now button, give me your credit card and I'll take your money. The better question, and the, in, in my view, the right thing to do is to ask why. Challenge. So why? And we should do this for ourselves. Well, why do I want Facebook ads? Well, because I'm not making enough money. You know, I haven't got enough customers. I need more customers. Why do you need more customers? Well, I'm not making enough money. Okay. Um, what kind of money do you want? Well, uh, I, need, I need this much. Why do you need that much? And you drill in and eventually you get to, right, well, I need 20 grand a month coming in for the business because of overheads, whatever, whatever. Um, as as revenue, okay, um, and that'll leave me with you know, seven grand after all costs. Okay, well, what are your costs like? Well, they're like this. Okay, why are you paying for that? What's this membership? What's that? You know, recurring, you know, recurring cost. You know, why have you got these five telephone lines in that you never use? You know, all that sort of stuff. Let's cut out the the, the excess. Suddenly, you've got nine grand a month. You don't need more customers. You need more profit. Yeah. Um, or I can't afford these things. You know, there's an issue with such and such. So you, you say, again, you try and get more customers. It's like, okay, what, what's the primary issue here? Well, there's not basically there's not enough money in the bank when, when I need it to, to 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 pay for things. So you've got a cash flow issue, not a profitability issue. Right. Okay. Well, let's kind of look at that. So it's getting to the 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 heart, if you like, or the root cause problem, the heart of the heart of the matter. And people just don't. don't again, this is why I said that people who are successful have learned how to think and act and be rather than how to do. Yeah. The Olympic uh, cyclist in the making doesn't come to the coach to learn how to cycle better in terms of the mechanics of cycling. They, they already do that. They come to, to, to learn how to function as an Olympian, yeah, as a person. So how do I grow as an individual and as a, you know, as a world-class cyclist? So I can already do that. When the Red Arrows recruit, fight, fight their pilots from, from the RAF, they don't look at skills because it's already taken you know, as understood that if you're in the, in the, in the room and you be interviewed, you can fly a plane really, really well. It's who are you? Are you a team player? How do you think? How do you function under, under, you know, uh, under duress? Yeah. Can you make good decisions um, in, in a split second? Can you follow order, you know, orders really well? And the reality is the lessons are there. This is why we do Olympic thinking, world-class thinking. For all of us, because we're just humans, it doesn't matter if you want to be an Olympian or just somebody who has had, you know, a happy life and runs a nice business. The principles are exactly the same. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, that, no, it's it's, it's absolutely fascinating, and I suppose circling back, and and you did that to, to, towards what the end of what you were saying. Then circling back to the asking the questions of yourself, um, how often should people be asking these sorts of questions? And if there are people sitting there thinking, oh, I already know I should be asking myself these questions, but I don't because insert excuse here and again i don't mean excuse in a derogatory way because we have all been guilty of i don't have time or i'll get around to when i've sorted that or it's not as important as this Uh, so what 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 sort of a habit should people be trying to sort of factor into their their business lives to to try and either keep on top of these things or really focusing on on what's going to make their lives better because ultimately all of those things you've described there should make you um you know healthier create more time make that time better quality make yourself more money you know all of these things will help towards achieving whatever of those those things that matter most um so solve the problem for me Okay, so there are three basic things that you need to be successful in, in any walk of life, and particularly in business. Skills, tools, and mental game. And the skills, we, you know, most people go looking for the skills. Some people you know, go and buy the tools, if you will. But the truth is, skills include things like critical thinking, which is you know, a skill that a lot of people don't. Business is an intellectual sport at the end of the day, really. It's also, the other, the other expression I have is business is a theory. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, no plan survives contact with reality. So, um, because we don't know what's going to happen, and particularly if we're, you know, if we're a little bit risk averse, which you really don't want to be if you're if you're an entrepreneur, um, then we uh, we kind of shy away from a lot of stuff, or we're looking for certainty. We're talking about what Virginia Satter said earlier on. That that applies to entrepreneurs and small business people as well. We'd rather have certainty. Um, so um, than than the uncertainty. Business is an uncertain thing. Yeah, it, the, the landscape in front of us is. So we need to step into this kind of under, understanding how we tackle it. So that so the skills require thinking skills, strategic um, skills, 
as well as standard skills of you know, learning how to do something or you know um, how to how to operate something or run a bit of software. So you know, if you've got I don't know Active Campaign and and you're the only person in, in the business at the minute, learning how to use Active Campaign for as an email autoresponder or sending out your emails, whatever, whatever, that sort of stuff is understood. But when I talk about skills, I'm really talking about the skills of entrepreneurship as opposed to the tech and technical skills. So there's that. There's the uh, the tools, that's a lot easier because a lot of that's just down to understanding, having a bit of business acumen and understanding the things that help in terms of processes and implementation. The mental game is really where the battle is won, yeah, very, very much. And that's, that's a whole raft of why am I not doing the things that I know, you know, I really have the answers. Why why am I not doing what I know I should be doing? What's the gap? And as, um, as, as, as Spider-Man's Uncle Ben almost said, with great awareness comes great responsibility. Yeah. If you... Um, I hope, the, I hope the guys get the reference there. I know you do. Um, so once you're aware, you, you have an obligation to do. And Jim Rohn said it beautifully, um, God rest him. Jim was an incredible guy. Um, you can have excuses or you can have reasons, but you can't have both. So <laughs> it's understanding with brutal honesty and radical transparency of the terms that we use, but always with kindness and no judgment, really key. If you know that there's no judgment and you know that we're going to be kind, you can be brutally honest and radically transparent, which means we get to understand the reality of the situation and the baseline we're measuring from. Where are we now? So a reality check, rather than the story that you've been buying and you're telling yourself and buying for the last five years. Yeah. So yeah. that is, and that's the answer to your question. Get that. First of all, where am I? Who am I? Yeah. And understand that. So going going back to uh, the, the, the the scales thing that we talked about earlier on, <clears throat> the, the way to get to where you want to be this is the way we think at Success Engineers, is you have to understand where you are. So that radical transparency, brutal honesty tells you, right, this is who I am as an entrepreneur. This is the level of business acumen I've got. Um, this is the, these are the skills and the tools that I've, I've got currently available and the resources available to me as a business owner right now. That's your point A. And that's, what, you know, that's not the starting point. That's the starting point from where you are on your journey. Yeah. So not the starting point when you started. So right now. The what matters most is where I want to be. That's my point X in the distance. So now I've got a start and a finish, essentially, or a direction. So now the job is to build the yellow brick road to connect the two, to, to your very, you know, your much earlier question. And that comes about by understanding the problems that you've got to solve. So we get to, again, the more effective thinking, the critical thinking, thinking more strategically, because we know where we want to go. So the question is, will this take me, or do I have a sense that this will take me closer to that? Or do I not have an answer to that? If I don't have an answer to that, probably it won't. Probably I shouldn't be doing this. Or definitely is going to take me in the other direction. Or maybe, you know, again, you challenge it. Sometimes you've got to do, you've got to go back to go forwards. So you ask the question because you've got something to reference. Point X. Is it going to take me closer to the point X? Yes or no? Rather than I'll just do this because it seems like the, you know, the thing I need to do today, like social media, yeah. <clears throat> that sort of stuff. So now we go, right, well, what's the first problem I've got to solve? Well, there's, there's an income gap. Yeah, we're earning... 20 grand a month, we need to earn 50 grand a month in the business to get to where we want to be, you know, with all our costs and whatever. Okay, so there's a 30, a 30 grand gap. Um, all right, so I have to solve that. That's my problem. No, that's not your problem. That's a symptom of all of the problems that, that, that make you not the business that is only 50 grand a month right now. Because if you'd solve those problems and that problem, you would be there. So you're not there. You're not, you know, you'd be taking the, uh, the point A to point X, you're starting in Newcastle, you want to get to London, um, if you'd solved the problem, you'd be in London already. Yeah, you you do the Star Trek thing, you transport, and you'd be there. So the problem is you've got to get there. Yeah, so that's not the problem. It's a symptom of all of the problems. Okay, so let, let's let's have a look at the first problem. Right. Well, um, where you know again you deconstruct the business and go, okay, where's um, what are the problems and what are the things that we're facing right now? Well, there's not enough income coming in. Okay, um, do we have enough traffic? Are we are we talking to enough people? So is our messaging effective? Yeah. Is our marketing effective? Are we doing? Is the two? Are we lifting too much in the sales department, if you like, or in the sales conversations? Because the marketing is not effective. Because sales really should be: Are you a fit? And let's take the order. Really, in my view, is what sales should be. It doesn't have to be. You know, it's still skilled, but it doesn't. It shouldn't be the persuasion and all the stuff that we think sales is. Because if the marketing's right, you, you people who are a good fit are presenting themselves, saying, "How can I work with you?" Theoretically, that's how marketing should work. So what, what's it? Have we got a message to market match or mismatch? Are we saying the wrong things to the right people, or the right things to the wrong people, or what's going on there? Is there enough traffic? Is there a big enough crowd? Yeah, are we are we are we getting the kind of reach that we want? 
all right, conversion's okay. All right, conversion's down. You know, what does the pipeline look, look like? What's the funnel like? Is our model right? You know, are we are we generating enough revenue from what we're doing, or are we running around like you know, like headless chickens trying to you know squeeze squeeze the lemon? And frankly, there's there's just nothing left. So there's lots of questions to ask, but eventually you might come up with a well. Actually, the biggest problem is we've got a we've got a big leaky bucket here, and we're trying to fill it with a fire hose. Um, and the biggest hole in the bucket is um, is a uh, is, is is a messaging problem. People don't actually know what the hell we do properly when we look at it and we when we do some market research sounds like they understand what we do and we think we, we, we're getting it clear but we haven't so we need to fix that okay let's go fix that um what else have we got so and, and then you start working through it so there's your first problem you solve the problem you lay your yellow brick you stand on it and make sure it's steady and it's worked and then you go okay brick number two what's our next problem and bit by bit problem solution problem solution problem solution you connect point a where you are your 20 grand a month with point x which is a 50 grand a month and you build the yellow brick road so does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, we always ask for a couple of tips from our, our gurus, um, and you, Dino, haven't disappointed. So do you want to just run through the five tips that uh, I asked you to come up with um, for, for those listening, thinking, wow, that's been great news. Um, where do we get started? So tips, um, over to okay. you. Right, okay. So... Um... So um, I think the one of one of my one of my favorite expressions is that avoiding stupidity is uh, a much better route to success than trying to be brilliant and dazzling and clever. The number one uh, rule for success, and this may sound bloody obvious when it's pointed out, the number one rule for success is to avoid ruin. So build your business on the basis that you you uh, you're not going to go for safety necessarily, but you're going to mitigate risk. Yeah, you live with risk as an entrepreneur, mitigate it. Yeah, make sure that you're not building um, and fanning fires as you build your business. Yeah, so that would be my first tip: avoid stupidity. It's probably my my term. Um, second is if you are plagued with perfectionism, and I know we've spoken about this from one of my posts, I think, Mark, didn't we? Uh, if you're plagued with perfectionism, decide what you know. Decide what standard you want to work to. Um, and excellence is a very good standard to work to if you if you're uh, if you you know you're all about high quality. But define it. What does excellence look like in your business in all areas of your business, from you know client delivery through the team through to what you expect of yourself, and then set that picture up and go and go and you know and work to that picture and don't do more. Yeah, I, I mean I I am very much um, a, a a victim of that, and quite often when I send the work over and I'm still not 100% happy with it, um, the client comes back and they're absolutely delighted and you sit there and think, oh, I didn't really need to have worried about that or perfected it quite as much. And you can actually turn things around a lot quicker without reducing the standard, but without being so, oh my God, that, that final corner needs tweaking. Or, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite hard because I always, I always think, how would I want it? And if I want it at that standard, then everyone else will, but actually everyone's different. And sometimes people, people are happy with something that still looks fantastic, but perhaps, the the absolute minuscule nuances that you can pick up on because you've been staring yeah. at it for twenty four hours solid isn't quite as much of a bugbear for them. I, I have I have mates in the copywriting world at the at the high end. Um, I don't know if you or the listeners are aware of people like John Carlton um, and and Gary Halbert, Bon Halbert, um, uh, his son. Um, I've met a, a few times, um, and people of that. Are, um, and these are, you know, these are world class, you know, as in best in the world type type uh, type copywriters. Um, and these guys deliberately, as competent and skilled as they are, deliberately put gra- grammatical and spelling errors into perfect copy um, because they understand the psychological triggers because they are masters of psychology. Um, and, and they do that, first of all, to repel people, which is another really key point here repel people they don't want uh, or their clients don't want in their in their world but also because they understand um that people who are um who are friendly to your cause if you like who are your tribe are very forgiving you know you think of the uh, think of the comedian that you've seen three or four times tell the same joke you still laugh because you you want to support the comedian even though you know what the punchline is we all do that yeah because we're warm to them so it's the same so yeah, uh, my 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 uh, one of my mentors who's a wonderful guy became a really really dear friend. 
uh, as a Jerusalem Jew uh, who, by circuitous route, ended up in the UK, you know, decades ago. And he had a he had a um, he had a plaque on his wall in his office, which was there all the time I knew him. And it said, "In the interest of progress, don't make don't make the perfection the enemy of the very good." That was what it said. Um, and that that's frankly where my you know pursuit of excellence thing came from which is you know set standards it might be that just really really good is your standard not excellent yeah but yeah. understand what it is and then let yourself off the off the goddamn hook because people you're right people do not notice and even if they do if they're warm to you they cut you some slack i really need to find some new tribe people because no one laughs at any of my jokes uh <laughs> right tip number three do you know tip number three oh, right okay um we kind of covered it which is how to know where you're headed and and why um the, the the benefit of this thing if you've got a what matters most if you've got your true north and you've set your as i call it your focus compass um and the lens through which you you, you look at everything you do and say is that likely to take me closer to what matters most or not then you cut out the busy work which is the what what's the value in doing this you start asking questions like not should i do this or should i delegate it um but should this be done at all which is a, the question everybody should. And by the way, C-suite, huge companies don't ask this question, right? It's not just us you know, running small businesses. No, no beggar asks it. And they should. Should we do this at all? Rather than making the assumption that it's something they have to do. So um, cut out the busy work by understanding where you're going, why, why that matters, and then apply that lens to everything you do. That would be my third tip. Number four. Uh, yeah, what we talked about. Um, if, if goals don't fire you up, you're not doing it wrong. Most of the planet don't get fired up by by having a goal to chase. Find out what in the process of chasing the goal, because that's where the growth and where, where and where the challenge comes from and the interest for most of us come from. Find out what within that process fires you up um, and make sure that it's just a, a waypoint, if you will, or a milestone on your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, goals are goals are directional, not destinational. That's the that's the tip. Absolutely. When when I first started out in the legal industry, um, they were always very much target driven. So you got a bonus based on a target, and the partners used to waste endless amounts of time trying to set me these targets. But I I, I had to keep on explaining to them that I wasn't going to work any harder to get any closer to. So even if I'd smashed those targets, I still yeah. would be working at the same <clears throat> level because I wasn't driven by getting that target. That wasn't the yeah. the reason why I was doing it. I was more about if I do a good job and I work yeah. efficiently, I'll probably achieve that anyway as a byproduct of what I'm doing. And and the, the, yeah, I was quite surprised by how many people didn't think that way within sort of that legal industry. It was all very much, you know, I want to get that target because I want that bonus check. Whereas I was like, well, if I do my job well, A, I'll get a better salary and B, I'll probably still get my bonus check on, on top of that. And so yeah. you just plodded along. Well, it's a re that's a really good story, and it's massively common everywhere. Everywhere I've gone in the thirty odd years I've been doing this, I see that. So, you know, sales teams, you get it because you know, particularly you know, commissions. That's how they, how they how they roll. But the vast majority of people, even in sales teams, if you find that you've got twenty people in the sales team, three or four will be entirely money driven, pretty much because that's their god. The rest of them are after things like recognition and you know, or knowing that the company cares about them and. You know, just loads of stuff that has nothing at all to do with money. And um, I suppose that's perhaps where I found my way into to yeah. being self-employed as well, I guess. And maybe that's the same story for those people where because they're quite self-motivated to do these things for other reasons, they actually are quite happy then branching out and doing it themselves. They don't need that that constant mm -hmm. pressure of have you made your, your quota, have you done the, the requisite number of hours today? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and again, I come from production management. That was one of my first first jobs, and came into that. And uh, you know, that was it's one of the the, the things that used to plague, particularly in the seventies and in the eighties in particular. It used to plague us. Um, you you get targets set for a Christmas bonus. The guys would kill themselves to get the Christmas bonus, and then that would be the minimum standard for production in January. It's like you know, <laughs> triple face palm. It's like seriously, guys, don't you understand humans? It's just not the way things work. That's yeah. It makes it a mockery of the whole thing, isn't it? People who are fulfilled in their roles, you're right. The vast majority of people who are fulfilled in their roles don't need those kind of incentives. It's not necessary. We, yeah, you know, Maslow's hierarchy. We we don't function for that sort of stuff. That's yeah, you know, and and it amazes me actually. Again, simplicity and clarity. 
all you've got to do is understand humans. Look at Maslow's. Look at how people, you know, what people are after. And if you understand that once you get past the safety and shelter and all that stuff at the bottom, the bottom of it, and start moving through the pyramid, you know, it's, people move towards self-actualization. Yeah. Um, there is the, you give them the basics so that they can actually eat and survive at a level where the, the, you know, there's some measure of comfort. And after that, it's all about fulfillment. Absolutely, and I guess when it, when I applied my principles to this my staff, so um, yeah. it I more focused on giving them that daily satisfaction. Now that might be a, a, a better annual salary as opposed to a, a bonus check, um, and then perks of the job, so they could enjoy on a daily basis the fruits of their labour as opposed to once a year getting this big check that they'd probably go and splurt on a, a holiday that they'd forget six months yeah. down the line. <laughs> yeah, so they can just do it all again and they're on a hamster wheel. Exactly, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Tip number five, Dino. Tip number five, quick story. Um, this is about the difference between demand or what people want and what they actually need. I mean, we all fall prey to this, but we won't see it in ourselves because you can't read the label from inside the bottle, pretty much. We need that external perspective, but we do see it in our clients. Um, woman um, walks into a uh, Karen Millen's or you know, some, some, some you know, decent clothes store uh, and sees um, Christmas is coming up, Christmas party at the office, and she sees this little black number that she absolutely adores. Um, trouble is it's two sizes too small so uh, let's say I shouldn't know anything about this but I do uh, <laughs> long story so she uh, it's a 14 and she's an 18 turns out right so she tries it on she goes she, and she can't really get it on but she just loves it she goes you know what there's plenty of time um, I'll, I'll get into it so because they haven't got her size and they're never going to have her size because it's end of line but it's the only thing in the store that she really and she adores it and she thinks I'm going to look amazing in that so she buys the dress Three days later, she walks into a David Lloyd's and speaks to a female personal trainer and says, um, I need to lose a couple of stone. So the female personal trainer says, uh, why is that? And she explains about the, the dress and all that sort of stuff. Now, we can get into the psychology of why she wants the dress and why she wants to look good and all that stuff. But we just take it at face value. The, the, simp the, the, the thing that she's just asked for, the demand, is weight loss. And she's now explained that actually she wants um, what she wants, the need, is shape. Because she's bought, no, nobody walks into a clothes store and says, I want something in a 16 stone too. Nobody does that. No. It's a size 14, size 18. So she's bought on shape and now she's shopping again with a demand on weight loss. So the, the personal trainer knows that they've got the work cut out to bridge between the two. But the truth is that although in that industry it's understood, if she was talking, uh, talking about shape and not weight loss, she wouldn't get a lot of customers. But you, I'll help you drop two dress sizes, which kind of does that. That, that has a, an appeal because that market is educated. But if you're in a space where your market's not that educated, then what you do, you've got to be talking to the symptom of the problem, but understanding that you can solve the problem itself, the root cause problem, but you hook people in with the symptom. So um, stop, stop trying to solve people's problems up front by addressing the need. Talk to what is in their head, which is the symptom of the problem and the want. And that would be my fifth tip. Wow. Well, I have to say, Dino, that's been an absolutely fascinating episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I actually hope you'll agree to, to come on again sometime and we can chew the fat some more. Maybe maybe clearly nerd out on some Marvel stuff. You sound like a, a well-educated guy in that area. I'm a, proper, I'm a proper geek, yeah. Marvel and DC, very much. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Marvel or DC, any preference? Uh, well, I kind of grew up with DC, is the truth, because I come from that era. They've made but, a dog's but, uh, dinner of it recently, though, haven't they? But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, actually, interestingly, my daughter and I just watched an episode of The Flash yesterday. But I am, um, and, you know, an Arkham Manor came up, which is kind of interesting. But I am I'm more Marvel than DC these days. Excellent. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So, Dino, on the basis that everyone's just listened some absolutely fabulous nuggets, um... How can they get in touch with you? Uh, how can they catch more of your content? Because I know you put some great content out there. Thank you very much. Uh, so we've got a we've got a YouTube channel, um, so they can come find us there. The way into that because we haven't yet got our uh, our vanity uh, URL for, for that, so I can't just steer people. Um, but it, I guess in the show notes you'll have a link. Um, but the the um, they can find us on YouTube. Um, connect with me on Facebook if you want to if you want to see me warts and all. I am on Facebook, what's and all. If you want to see the more professional, shall we say, slightly more polished version of me, um, then that's LinkedIn. 
and, and I'm happy with connections in, in either space. I'm starting to get underway on on, uh, on Twitter, so you can find us, find me there. Um, but you know, probably the best place for most people is to come and join us in Success Unlocked, which is our Facebook group. For people who are averse to Facebook, um, essentially getting in there gets you on the mailing list, which means that we can then have a conversation with you, you know, properly and send you sort of nuggets and what have you. But that group is made up of a, a lot of very, very astute, very capable business people and people who don't know their backside from their elbow in business yet and everybody in between because we just muck in and help each other. So Success Unlocked is the Facebook group. Um, just connect with me and I'll, I'll see you. Fabulous. And we will put all the links in the show notes so you don't have to go scrabbling around. They will all be there. Uh, Dino, thank you very much for your time. It's It's been a brilliant episode. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thanks for some great questions, by the way. Thank you. Oh well, uh, uh, you you've given me the uh, the content there. It was it was easy. It, it was an easy ride on my part. Perhaps not the jokes thing. I'm gonna have to go away and learn learn some jokes that clearly work to to entertain my tribe. But there we go. That that's what I'm taking away from this conversation. Brilliant. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed listening to it. If you do have any questions for Dino, um, as I said before, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, if you would like to be on the show itself, then the uh, the business spotlight at the podstation.co.uk or get in contact on social media. Um, give us a review. Uh, it's always good to get some feedback, uh, positive or negative or otherwise. Um, it also helps get us exposed to a wider audience and then hopefully we might find someone else who wouldn't have otherwise known we were out and about there who might find this this and all our previous episodes really useful uh, thank you very much for listening guys uh we will catch you next time and once again dino thank you very much thank you if you'd like to submit your business to be on the show simply email spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk or message us on social media at the podstation on facebook instagram linkedin and twitter